Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, and welcome to The Backpack. My name is DJ. I'm one of your hosts, and thanks for joining me back at the canteen, one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. This week, we celebrated Christmas, the arrival of our Savior into the world, as we looked at Luke chapter 2 in the final entry of our Christmas series called Something New, and we examined the new story that the shepherds were given to tell that night in Bethlehem. So let's listen in to Pastor Blake as he brings us this year's Christmas message. Hey, if you've got a copy of God's Word, you can open it to that passage in Luke 2. Uh, We'll spend just a little bit of time there this morning. You know, many of you will play with new toys today. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about the kids. Many of you will play with with new toys today. And and we're thankful for that. I can remember way back in uh, 1995, I uh, was about the age of that first group that came up here when uh, a Buzz Lightyear toy was what everyone wanted. Um you know, you press the buttons and, and all the things, and, and Buzz Lightyear was a thing. You may remember that movie. In the movie Toy Story, um, Woody, the cowboy, confronts Buzz Lightyear with the fact that he is only an action figure and not really a space hero. You remember that? Buzz, you're a toy. T-O-Y, toy. Early in the movie, right, he, he also shouts, you're not a space ranger. You're an action figure, a child's plaything." And of course, Buzz just completely denies this, right? And only, only after failing to fly does Buzz realize that there's truth in Woody's statement. Buzz hangs his head in defeat and he declares, I'm just a stupid, little, insignificant toy. Nobody likes to be a number, right? There's this scene from the movie where he's standing and he sees all the Buzz Lightyear's in the toy store and he realizes he's just one of many. Nobody likes to be a number. Nobody likes to to be a stupid little insignificant toy. And yet when we read verse 1 of Luke chapter 2 and it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. That's exactly what happened. Just like that, everyone in the Roman Empire became just a number. And nobody likes to be a number. Nobody likes to be a number. You know, Caesar Augustus was, was fond of censuses. It took a lot of taxes to keep this enormous Roman army going, to build roads and to finance the military campaigns, to continue conquering the whole known world. And so Caesar Augustus was also just kind of known as a luxurious emperor. He, he liked his stuff. Well, by the time of Jesus, Israel was, was generally just considered a backwater Roman province full of cantankerous people with strange religious beliefs. And so the Jewish people, they, they paid taxes to Rome and they followed Roman laws because even out in the backcountry, these local authorities were put in place by Rome. So in the case of the census, the Jews did what the Roman governors and local authorities told them to do. So you can imagine, right? When Mary and Joseph, who are pregnant and expecting a child, hear that there's a census that they have to travel for, how excited they were. It was a hassle. A hassle that only led to them paying more taxes. Adults, can you relate yet? You could imagine 
you know, just, just feeling like a number for Mary and Joseph. We're just a cog in, in the wheel of this Roman Empire. Now we've got to drag ourselves to Bethlehem. And you get to think about that along this way. Why in the world are we going to Bethlehem? Because we've got to get counted for this stupid census. You've got to be kidding me. The journey, you see, only added insult to injury. They were making huge sacrifices to get to a census that would only cost them more in taxes. It, it likely took a huge chunk out of their self-worth. Like, am I that small? Am I that insignificant? And the difficulty of the journey just would have continued to press those thoughts and feelings even more. I'm just a number. I don't matter. And yet, Mary and Joseph made the journey. They made the journey. Despite all the difficulty, as we heard our fourth and fifth graders read, Jesus was born. But verse 8 tells us that there was something else going on in the same region. Verse 8 says, in the same region, region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Do Do you notice something about that? Where was everyone else in the Roman Empire going to be counted? You see, if, if Mary and Joseph thought they were just a number, the shepherds, they didn't even think that they were worth being counted. We'll just stay out in the field. They didn't even try to make it to the census. Might stir up some questions that, that you and I get to wrestle with, like, does my life count? Do I, I feel maybe like Buzz Lightyear? like a small, insignificant toy. Maybe changing family dynamics have left you on the outside looking in for Christmas this year. And all of a sudden, what used to be a meaningful time now feels weird. You feel insignificant. Perhaps friends made you feel, that, that made you feel significant have, have moved away or have moved on in life. And, and something about it just makes you wonder, what really matters? What counts? Do I count? Sometimes it can even just be a new season of life where, where your attachments and your relationships and, and the, the tasks that you have to do in life are all changing and you're struggling to find new purpose. The, the reality is that all of us wrestle with this idea of just feeling like a number, just feeling insignificant at times. I would hazard to guess that many of us have felt like Mary and Joseph on that journey, kind of overlooked in the rat race of life. And yet the world just now expects us, like the Romans expected Mary and Joseph, to get to Bethlehem and be counted. They just expect us to keep going, even when the journey is hard. I would assume that most of us have felt like those shepherds. We're not even interested in engaging. We're questioning whether our life counts. Is it even worth it that I would go and do these things? Am I just a small, insignificant toy there's a guy named Al Warden. Al Warden was the command module pilot of the 1971 Apollo 15 moon mission. And he has the strange honor of having been the most isolated human being in history. His spacewalk is still the furthest away from Earth ever. During his orbits of the moon, his teammates at one point in time were over 2,200 miles away on the lunar surface while he was doing a spacewalk. Warden, very much all by himself, got a perspective on the cosmos that only a handful of humans have ever had. 
He described it like this. He said, I got to look at the universe out there with a very different perspective and a very different way than anyone had before. When I found, what I found was that the number of stars was just so immense. In fact, he said, I couldn't even pick up individual stars. It was just like this sheet of light. I found that fascinating because he said, it changed my ideas about how we think about the universe. He says, there's billions of stars out there. The Milky Way galaxy that we're in contains billions of stars, not, not just a few. And then he says, there's billions of galaxies out there. He says, so what does that tell you about the universe? That tells you that we just don't think big enough, he says. And then he said, you want to feel insignificant? Go behind the moon sometime. That'll make you really feel like you are nothing. Stars so numerous that it felt like a sheet of light. Those shepherds in a place of insignificance might not have felt any less significant than when that angel appeared on that dark night. Ironically, that, that kind of feeling was exactly what God used to remind the shepherds that they were, in fact, very significant. They were significant not because of who they were, but because of who was being sent to them. You see, the good news of Christmas is that no matter how discouraged you are, no matter how small you feel, Jesus makes himself known to all. Verse 9 and following we read that good news, right? The angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. I want to make just a few observations about this good news that the angel proclaimed. First, in the darkest moments, God's light shines brighter. In the darkest moments, God's light shines bright. If you've ever been out in the field, a field in the middle of the night, it's dark. I can't imagine the, what, how dark it would have been pre-electricity, right? Like this is, this is a dark place. And I'm reminded of the prophecy spoken by Zechariah that we've been reading over the last couple of weeks in Luke 1, 78 and 79. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The light of this angel, you see, was meant to shine in the darkness of that night in the field. And that gives us great hope because it gives us hope that in a time of history when, when God was seemingly silent, when the Jews were religious outcasts, and when the earthly leaders like Augustus were riddled with sin, Christ came. He came in the midst of that kind of darkness to shine on those who were living in that darkness and to guide them into the way of peace. If he can do that in those times, he can certainly do the same for us. The light that Christ brings is meant to shine into the darkness of your sin and the death and decay that sin brings. In the darkest moments of your life, God's light will always shine brighter. Jesus is, is shining light into your darkness and he's begging you to trust him more. You say, Blake, what if it seems that the light of Christ doesn't show up in my darkest times? What if when it's dark, it just continues to feel like it's dark? Well, let me remind you with our second observation that the birth of Christ was for all people. It was for all people. 
The angel clearly says that. This isn't just for the shepherds or even just for the Jews. This is for all people. I'm reminded of John 3, 16, when it says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone. Christ came for everyone. That doesn't mean that everyone goes with him into eternity. But it does mean that this is good news for all people. Everyone who believes will see the light of Christ shining through the darkness of sin. In fact, the light of Christ becomes blinding in those moments where our faith increases. We can't help but see it because his light always shines brighter in the darkness. That's what happened for the shepherds. When it says suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts and everyone was praising God in the middle of this blinding light and countless angels. The third observation that we might make is that Christ gives us assurance. Assurance just means that we can have confidence. We can, we can have certainty. I appreciate in the Christmas story that there was no hesitation for the shepherds. Once this blinding light had, had changed everything, and once the angel had proclaimed this good news, we see in verse 15 that they are ready to go. Verse 15 says it this way, uh, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Born in Putnam County, New York, Fanny Crosby became ill within two months of being born. If you were at our covenant member meeting this year, you might have heard me share part of Fanny's story. Unfortunately, when Fanny was born, the family doctor was away. And another man, pretending to be a certified doctor, treated her by prescribing hot mustard poultices to be applied to her eyes. Her illness eventually relented, but the treatment left her blind. Later in life, a well-meaning preacher made comment, you know, Fanny, I think it's a great pity that the master, that, that Jesus did not give you sight when he showered so many other gifts upon you. And Fanny Crosby responded at once as she had heard such comments before. Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, one request, it would have been that I was born blind? Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. Fanny became and was an incredible poet. She penned this line about her blindness. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I'm resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. You see, Fanny lived with this deep assurance that comes only from believing and trusting the good news that was proclaimed to these shepherds in the field. And the same good news that Paul reminded Titus of in chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. It says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Christmas story reminds us that we can live with assurance that even when we're discouraged, even when we feel small and insignificant, Jesus makes himself known to all. 
His light always shines in the darkness. In fact, this assurance is a blessed assurance. And Fanny Crosby wrote that song. Let me remind you of the lyrics on this Christmas morning. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Isn't that what we celebrate at Christmas? That he came and and he is ours for all those who believe. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And then the chorus. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all day long. You, just like the shepherds, have a new story to tell because of Jesus. What is your story? What is your song? And does your story and your song praise the Savior all the day long? The shepherds were so excited to tell the story because his story, the story of Christ, had changed theirs. When the angels left, they went to see Jesus right away. And when they get there, they, they snap a mental photo and they uploaded it to their mental Instagram. It was there forever. And we now call it the nativity. Mary and Joseph and the baby tucked in the manger. And verse 17 says that after they took this mental photo, they had to tell the story of the angels and, and how all this had come to be and how it was all true. You see, when someone else's story changes your story, you just got to tell it. You have to tell. It's, it's contagious. It's, you, you want others to know. And so I ask, has Jesus changed your story? Has he given you a new song to sing? And will you go tell the story that changed your story? Will you declare it on life's mountaintops? And will you declare it in life's valleys? Will you share it everywhere you go? Will you share it even in a McDonald's bathroom? There's a reason I asked that question. Because there's a McDonald's right No, I'm just kidding. It's not even... It's a fun story. Kenny Rager, uh, he's a former church planner here in Kentucky who now works with churches all over the state. And recently, he got to tell an amazing story. He was scheduled to meet with another ministry leader in West Kentucky. And... Uh, all of a sudden, this guy was a no-show. You've ever been there? You know, like you're texting. Uh, did you forget lunch? Did you forget? I've got a table. You know, all the things, right? So there's a no-show. And a short time later, Kenny decided to stop at the local McDonald's and grab a coffee. But as he was entering the restaurant, this other leader calls and apologizes. I'm sorry, I missed our appointment. He said, I missed because I had the opportunity to lead two people to the Lord. Kenny's like, well, that's awesome. Like, bet, best no-show for a meeting ever. And they're celebrating. They're talking about this on the phone. Kenny's just standing at McDonald's having this conversation about these people accepting Christ and being saved. And as he was talking on the phone, he's talking about what God had done. And, 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 and as he's doing this, there's a man going into the restaurant who overhears the conversation. And it included this term, being saved. Well, Kenny gets off the phone and he goes into the restroom to prepare for the drive home because he's not meeting this guy anymore. And the guy who overheard his conversation follows him in the bathroom at McDonald's. A little bit awkward. The guy says, excuse me, I was a tornado survivor from Dawson Springs and multiple church groups have helped me. He said, even this morning, someone has given family presents to, to my grandkids. He said, I'm just so overwhelmed. 
He said, I was literally praying this morning, God, I don't know what you are or who you are, but can you please send somebody to explain you to me? And I looked up and I saw you and I heard your conversation about being saved. Could you tell me about God? Would you wash your hands first? Or like, <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So Kenny immediately did that. He led the man through three circles, gospel presentation. And, and Kenny said, when this guy approached me, he said, he was under conviction. You could tell. He said, I know this is awkward. <laughs> like, I'm asking you to explain God to me in the bathroom at McDonald's. But he had to know. And Kenny said he prayed to receive Jesus right there on the spot. What's your story? What's your song? Would you be willing to share your story even in a McDonald's bathroom? Because no matter how discouraged, no matter how small, Jesus makes himself known to all. If he's made himself known to you, you have a new story to tell because of what Christ has done in your life. I love what it says Mary did next after everything had happened on that first Christmas morning. Verse 19 says, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. I want to encourage us, as the Lord prepares opportunities for us to share our story, our news story, just like the shepherds did on the first Christmas, I want to encourage us to first take the action of Mary. Treasure up all these things in your heart. What is it that Christ has done for you? Maybe it's today as a family. When you go home and maybe you're ready to open some more presents or you're going with other family or whatever you're doing, right? Like, like how could you have some time to just stop and ask the question, man, what has Christ done for me? To share that with one another. Maybe you're going to be with a larger family, like you just set a bucket out and you ask everybody to put in slips of paper with one thing Christ has done to change their life. Maybe it's a little deeper for you. And sometime this week between Christmas and New Year's, when you've got a little bit of downtime, you, you just, man, make a list. Get you a full sheet of paper out and just begin to list all the things that Christ has done for you. All the ways his story has impacted your story. Could you, like Mary, treasure up all those things in your heart so that when you have the opportunity to share Christ, you are ready treasure him for just a few moments today. Take some time to remember all that Christ has done for you. You know, as our time together winds down this morning, the band comes, we're going to take communion together. And communion is an incredible way to treasure Christ. Communion reminds us today that before Christ could die on the cross, he had to come as a baby and live with us. And so today as we take communion that symbolizes and memorializes his death, we remember that his death was preceded by his life. And as we take it, it launches us into telling that story. As we take communion, we're going to return to our homes. Verse 20 says the shepherds did the same. Shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Scripture says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. And, and I pray that after we take communion this morning and sing and, and remember and treasure the things that Christ has done for us, 
that the same would be true of us, that we would return to our homes glorifying Jesus today, praising Jesus today in our hearts and in our homes. Let me pray for us, and let's treasure Christ together this morning. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done to change our lives. Simply in incarnating and in coming into the world, we were changed. All of a sudden, we were in the presence of God. And then you made a way for us to be in that place eternally. Thank you, Lord. Help us to treasure you. Help us to treasure all the ways your story has changed ours over the years. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, We hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus in going outside. Uh, if you're a part of Christ's community, hey, let's let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that, uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in an experienced Christian community as it was meant to be, and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack, and I will see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.